Hello everyone. My uh, my name is Ben James. I'm the pastor here at First Church of Christ in Grayson. Just want to say thank you for joining us for our Good Friday service. Before we get into the service itself, one thing that I always like to remind everyone uh, before um, you know, we we go into this is it's it, it's kind of difficult for us, I think, to really put ourselves in the place of understanding what the followers of Jesus Christ, what the disciples and those who loved him were really going through on this day, that even though uh, Jesus had told them, talked to them in detail about his death, his burial, and even his resurrection on the third day, we have a perspective now looking back on these events of this week and this weekend that the early the, the followers of Jesus early on really didn't have. They just saw this man who they had dedicated their entire life to hanging dead on a cross, being victimized um, and being unjustly accused and punished. So this is a very somber day. We can look at it with a different perspective that we know that Sunday is coming and we know that the tomb will be empty. But for a moment, as much as you possibly can, picture the Savior of the world dead on a cross. And this is the man, the Messiah, the promised one that you have uh, you know, dedicated your entire life to, who is now hanging there, lifeless. And hope, all hope that you had is either completely destroyed or is in the process of being destroyed at this moment. So as we worship him this evening during this time of remembrance of his sacrifice, try to try as best you can to put yourself in his in the place of the early disciples as they looked and saw their savior, their messiah, the one they had dedicated their whole lives to, hanging lifeless on the cross of Calvary. Savior's love 
Good evening. I'm Todd, the children's minister here at FCC Grayson. If you've been watching our Sunday morning services, you probably know me as the welcome guy. Uh, so welcome. We're so glad you decided to join us. When, when Ben first asked me if I would um, share a Good Friday message, I kind of wanted to make it like one of my children's videos uh, where I have like a green screen behind me and I can like clap my hands and be transported to a beach um, um, or like be able to edit a clip of audio to where it sounds like I have a really high voice or, or something like that. But Ben wouldn't let that slide. So here I am. It's just me, um, this camera and a children's Bible, which I'm so excited about. Um, as you probably know, today is Good Friday. Today we're celebrating Good Friday the day when Jesus would ultimately give his life on the cross. Now, it's, it's hard to imagine why we would celebrate the day when, when someone was, was beaten and spit on and mocked and ridiculed and, and nailed to a splintered cross. Like, like, that's something I don't even want to, like, bring to mind, L let alone make a holiday of it. But, but here we are, remembering, celebrating. If it's been a while, or if this is your first time hearing this, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He, he created the plants, the animals, the mosquitoes, and, and, and then he created humans. He made man and woman. We know them as Adam and Eve. Now, now, Adam and Eve walked in the garden of God's creation with God. It was a joyful, perfect place. But the humans, Adam and Eve, were, were then met with a, a choice, a choice represented by a fruit tree. They could choose to continue to trust God's way and, and to follow him and to walk with him, or they could choose to eat the fruit and, and to walk away from God and to find, to find good and evil for themselves. Satan showed up in the form of a serpent and he tempted them. He, he told them they should eat the fruit and they gave in. This decision led to brokenness. Since God can't be in the presence of sin, they were separated from God and were forced to undergo his wrath. They began to define things that were evil as good. And then eventually God caused their kingdom Babylon to crumble and fall. Now out of this kingdom, there was a man and his wife, Abraham and Sarah, who God made a promise with. He said that from him, from Adam and Abraham, from Abraham and Sarah, he would bring a people who would again have a choice to choose God, to continue to walk with God. But the people rebelled again, and they were forced to return to Babylon as captives. We see more stories of this type of cycle where God's people are in need of saving. They call out to God for help. 
He sends someone to come and help them. They worship him for a time. Then they forget about him, turn back to their old ways. And it's the cycle where they keep doing this over and over again. You see, people kept messing up. They were a sinful people in need of saving. But no human was able to save them. No, no human was able to do the job. God spoke through prophets. He, he told them of a coming Messiah who would conquer sin and death once and for all, who would even create a way for people to make the right choice and be with God again. But then there was silence. The Old Testament ends, and then there was 400 years of silence. I'm thankful that for us, it's just a turn of the page because I don't think I could wait 400 years to hear this next part. We begin the New Testament and learn that the Messiah has come. We see the story that we hear around Christmas time of a baby named Jesus who's come to earth. God's own son has been sent to earth to walk the earth and bring all of those promises to fulfillment. As he grows up, he lives a perfect life, free from sin. He's even met with the same Satan who tempted Adam and Eve and, and so many other people. And all of these other people gave in, but, but Jesus did something that none of them could do. He stood strong. He said no. He then went on to perform many miracles and teach people what it means to truly live that love and mercy and kindness and being a servant is the true way of life that leads to fulfillment. It wasn't about money or, or like all these earthly pleasures. He shares that God has come to save the world through him. And now we reach the climax. We've seen the creation. We've seen people fall away. We've heard the promises of a coming Messiah. We've met the man himself, Jesus, who has come. But now here we are. The, the time for Jesus to die. To get an idea of what was about to take place, I, I love how this children's Bible describes the events. The night before Jesus' death, after he had the Last Supper with his disciples, where he um, took the bread and the wine and he instituted what we now know as communion, he headed off into the Garden of Gethsemane with some of his disciples to pray. And here's what this says. The wind was picking up now, blowing clouds across the moon, shrouding the garden in darkness. Stay up with me, Jesus asked his friends. They said yes and waited under the olive trees. But they were tired, and soon they fell asleep. Jesus walked ahead alone, into the dark. He needed to talk to his heavenly Father. He knew it was time for him to die. They had planned it long ago, he and his Father. Jesus was going to take the punishment for all the wrong things anybody had ever done or ever would do. Papa, Father, Jesus cried, and he fell to the ground. 
Is there any other way to get your children back? To heal their hearts? To get rid of the poison? But Jesus knew there was no other way. All the poison of sin was going to have to go into his own heart. God was going to pour into Jesus' heart all the sadness and brokenness in people's hearts. He was going to pour into Jesus' body all the sickness in people's bodies. God was going to have to blame his son for everything that had gone wrong. It would crush Jesus. Have you ever heard of a scapegoat? The term scapegoat comes from the practice of Jewish priests laying the sins of all of Israel's people and placing it on a goat that would then be sent off to the wilderness. This goat would take upon itself all of the iniquities of Israel. Guys, this is what Jesus was going to be for us. Jesus was going to take upon himself all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our anxiety, all of our illnesses, all the things that we have ever and will ever do wrong. He was going to take it to the cross on our behalf. It goes on. But there was something else, something even more horrible. When people ran away from God, they lost God. It was what happened when they ran away. Not being close to God was like a punishment. Jesus was going to take that punishment. Jesus knew what that meant. He was going to lose his father. And that, Jesus knew, would break his heart in two. Violent sobs shook Jesus' whole body. Then Jesus was quiet like a lamb. I trust you, Papa, he said. Whatever you say, I will do. As Jesus was about to take on all of our sins, that meant that he would lose that contact and relationship he had with his own father. But still, he trusted God. Jesus was then arrested, taken to court. He was found guilty because he claimed to be the son of God. He was then beaten, spat on, whipped, mocked, and forced to carry his own cross up to the place of his crucifixion. Let me read to you about this moment, the way this Bible describes it. They nailed Jesus to the cross. Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, people shouted, but you can't even rescue yourself. They were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels would have flown to his side if he'd called. If you're really the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. 
It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Papa, Jesus cried, frantically searching the sky. Papa, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, and the last, when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God didn't answer. He had turned away from his boy. Tears rolled down Jesus' face, the face of the one who would wipe away every tear from every eye. And that was it. Uh, again, why, why would we celebrate such a horrible day? Well, here's why. Jesus did all of that for you, for me. He took what we deserved, the pain, the wrath, the agony, the ridicule, even death. He took it for us. It says it wasn't the nails that held him there. It was love. We celebrate because there is no clearer example of God's all-consuming, never-ending, unconditional love for us than this day giving his own son to die on our behalf. So what does that mean for us now? Well, first off, if you're hearing this for like the thousandth time, take the time to remember. Take the time to think about this moment in history and what it means for you. Celebrate that you are free from sin. You're free from all of the things that are holding you back. Celebrate that Christ has given you the power to overcome. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, or if you don't know Jesus yet as your personal Lord and Savior, know this. What was done on the cross was for you. God gave his own son because he loves you that much. Before you were even born, God was already taking care of your sin, your anxieties, your wrongdoings. He was providing a way for you to be clean, to have a clear slate. It says that your sins will be made white as snow. Now, there was one final thing that Jesus said before his last breath. To die, which means it is finished. Before you ever were, it was finished. God has taken the barrier away. He has opened the door so that, you, so that we can choose to believe and follow him, leading to eternal life with him. As Adam and Eve had a choice in the garden, when they faced that tree, the Bible project puts it this way. God has provided us a new tree the cross, where we can now choose to continue living the same way we have been, or we can choose the way of Jesus, which leads to life and life to the full, where we can have joy in the midst of sadness, hope in the midst of uncertainty, and peace in the midst of the storm. 
Which way are you going to choose today? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for what this day means for us. God, thank you for loving us enough that before we were even born, you were already taking care of everything. You've already completed the job. We just have to believe in you. God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to God, we just thank you so much for today and the chance to come and worship you and remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us on the cross. We thank you that we know the end of the story. We thank you that we know that when Jesus died on the cross, in three days he rose again, and he still lives and is alive today. We thank you so much for Jesus we thank you so much for all that he did for us and all that he continues to do for us each and every day. It's because of him that we get to live, and it's because of him that we have hope and a future. And we just thank you so much, and I just pray that we can continue to cling to that and that we can continue to lift up your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.